Welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm Emily Lenore. Hi, I'm Krista Mapes. Hi everyone, I'm Gillian Larson. On this episode of Between the Stacks, we discuss reads for Valentine's Day, Tech Talk, Libraries in the Digital Age, and Ask a Librarian. But first, some announcements. Storytime is still ongoing. It's on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. You can hop on Facebook Live and join Miss Katie as she reads a story and leads kids through a short activity before bedtime. Cool. Our second announcement is for library cards for kids. So, Oda Public Library has set up an agreement with the Morrison Community School District that allows any kindergarten through 12th grade student that lives outside city limits to get a free library card. If you have any questions about this or would like to apply for a card, please give us a call or email us. And for the final announcement, our Instagram challenge winner! (gasps) So those of you who listened last week and the week before know that we had an Instagram challenge in which you could submit a post, tag us in something, put it on your Instagram story, your favorite part of Odell. And we got a whole bunch of submissions and we chose a winner today. So, Krista, would you mind sharing some posts that you enjoyed? Yes, of course. So, the very first response that I was wanting to share with you guys was story time. Someone just really likes story time. That was their answer. Cute. I like story time. Story time's a good answer. And then we had a whole bunch of comments about how lovely the staff was and how helpful they are. Stop. So thank you for those responses. Tell me more. I want to share this one response that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. They said the staff, they have been so patient and nice during these crazy times. The children's play area is top notch too. I'm looking forward to bringing my little guy in to play when it's safe again. That's That's adorable. So cute. My favorite part when, you know, pre-COVID, when we closed the library every night, we had to clean up the play kitchen behind the chimney. Mm -hmm. And my favorite part was... (laughs) <laughs> like just like seeing what kinds of food can end up in different places <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for when we actually get to open up and have kids play in the kitchen again like yeah I just get really excited when you find like cupcakes in the oven or like orange juice in the fridge because I'm like these kids are so intelligent they know yeah. things <laughs> but then you, you also get like like eggs in the oven yeah or like other refrigerated items in the oven and you're like what what are yeah. these guys doing? You know, a like, puppet in the toaster. You never know what you're going to find. <laughs> <laughs> Our winner is... <gasps> e. Yaklich! Woo! E. Yaklich! Yay! Congratulations! So I will be messaging her for when she can pick up her prize. Awesome. So <laughs> the prize was a t-shirt, or Between the Stacks t-shirt. It was also... A 3D printing of Odell Public Library. The building? The building. Yeah, it's very cool. And then we also have $10 in chamber books. Whoop! Congrats. Moving on. Since it was Valentine's Day yesterday, we have developed a segment we are calling Romancy or Necromancy. (laughs) We figured it would be fun to go through some books that patrons may want to read that are either in the romance genre or something a bit darker than the romance genre for those who do not enjoy this Valentine's Day holiday. 
First up, we got the romancy section. Romancy. Okay. So my romancy book that I chose. Mm-hmm. So I I recommend any John Green novels. Okay. Because I just really enjoy his books. Mm-hmm. There's obviously The Fault in Our Stars, oh. who which is like it's beautiful, amazing. It's it made book. me cry. There's Will Grayson, Will Grayson, which is another fantastic book that I've read by him. Mm-hmm. And then my absolute favorite book is An Abundance of Catherines. Oh, okay. I have not read that. Yeah, it's really great. So, the book is about the, the main character, Colin, who is a child prodigy. However, he's thinking that he's going to be a washed-up child prodigy. Like, he's just going to be a has-been. And he's dated 19 girls with the name Catherine. (laughs) Yeah. 19 of them. Wait, how old is he? I I can't remember. I think he's... He's like a teenager, He's like a teenager. And he's dated 19 girls already? Yeah, I think he's only like 18. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, it... He also counts the, like, one day... You're going to be my girlfriend, like, a third grade or something oh. like that. Well, so. St- anyway, still. That's still. It's still a lot of Catherines. Like, mm-hmm. holy crap. But, so he has decided so that he doesn't become a has-been. He's going to come up with the formula to figure out love. <laughs> right? It's ridiculous. And it, it's really geeky. And I love it because it has, like, the Pythagorean theorem in there. And... He even has this one rule where if you can do anything sitting down, why would you stand up and do it? Which is why he takes baths instead of showers. <laughs> yeah. is hilarious, and I love it. So I would highly recommend this book if you like geeky things and want a little bit of romance. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Gillian, why don't you tell us about the book that you for this romancy section. Okay, so the book that I chose for the romancy section of <laughs> romancy or necromancy is a book entitled I Wish You All the Best by Mason Deaver. So I'm going to read like a little a little summary of it. When Bendy Backer comes out to their parents as non-binary, they're thrown out of their house and forced to move in with their estranged older sister, Hannah, and her husband, Thomas, whom Ben has never met. Struggling with an anxiety disorder compounded by their parents' rejection, they come out only to Hannah, Thomas, and their therapist to try to keep a low profile in a new school. But Ben's attempts to survive the last half of senior year unnoticed are thwarted when Nathan Allen, a funny and charismatic student, decides to take Ben under his wing. As Ben and Nathan's friendship grows, their feelings for each other begin to change, and what started as a disastrous turn of events looks like it might just be a chance to start a happier new life. At turns heartbreaking and joyous, I wish you all the best is both a celebration of life, friendship, and love, and a shining example of hope in the face of adversity. Sounds wonderful. It's a cute book. I think everyone should read it. So, Emily, what book do you have for this romance section? So, the book I chose is called Once and for All by Sarah Dessen. So this book is about Luna, and she is the daughter of famed wedding planner Natalie Barrett. 
And so through her mother's wedding planning business, she's witnessed a lot of weddings and romance and you know, things like that. And basically this book is set during her last summer before college and she meets um, a boy named Ambrose and he is the brother of somebody getting married who's hired Luna's mom. He is a ladies man who typically oh. charms more than one potential date during every gathering. <coughs> and she has to drag him away from a girl so he can escort his mother down the aisle. Don't tell Luna. me that she ends up with him. Don't don't tell yeah, me that. Well, you have to read Well, that. it's a romance book, so oh. maybe Luna is outwardly dismayed by his antics, but his kind gestures, including impulsively adopting a rescue dog, begin to win her over. But Luna was once in love with somebody else before, and they tragically died, so she's also <gasps> moving on, or trying to move on, from oh, wow. her, her first love, so... Like, holy crap. <laughs> oh. <coughs> Okay. So all these books sound very romancy. They really do. But what if I hate Valentine's <laughs> Day? Don't worry. So do I. Oh man. <laughs> You're talking to three single women right now. <laughs> so if if you are not in love with Valentine's Day or you just really don't like reading stories about romance at all, we have a few books that might be up your alley. So I probably should not be the first one to go first because <laughs> my book is a romancy necromancy combination, I feel okay, like. Okay, okay. Okay? It is titled The Summoning by Kelly Armstrong, and it is about this, I believe, 16-year-old girl. I believe she's 16. Chloe Sanders used to have a pretty normal life, but that changed on the day she met her first ghost. Locked up in Lyle House, a group home for troubled teens, she finds out that there's more to the home's teen residence than meets the eye. Will Chloe be able to uncover the dangerous secrets of Lyle House, or will its skeletons come back to haunt her? This thrilling first volume is the supernaturally charged Darkest Power series by international best-selling author Kelly Armstrong. How many times have you read this? We were talking about this before the podcast, and you said how many? Okay, so I've read at least it three times. At least three Are times. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you, because I discovered this book in the junior high, and then I liked it so much that I just kept rereading it. It's mm -hmm. a trilogy. Oh, okay. So... I, I read all three books, like, over and over and over okay. again. Okay. And it is very, like, young adultish. so... Well, it's in the young adult section. It, yes. So it has, like, teen drama in it. Teen drama, it's a little bit of It's got a little, romance. like, love triangle going on in it, like, Well, well what whatever. young adult novel doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> but, but you're saying it's spooky, though. It is spooky, because Chloe, the main character in this book, is a necromancer. Perfect! Right? Okay! It really fits in with this romancy necromancy thing. Oh. Well, I know you said you should have gone first because your book was like a perfect mix of romancy and necromancy. Well, I completely failed at finding a book that was, <laughs> it was just necromancy. My book is Fateful by Claudia Gray. And I'll read, I'll read the back of the book. 
18-year-old maid, Tess Davies, is determined to escape the wealthy, troubled family she serves. It's 1912, and Tess has been trapped in the employ of the Lyles for years, amid painful memories and twisted secrets. But now, the Lyle family is headed to America, with Tess in tow. Once the ship they're sailing on, the RMS Titanic, reaches its destination, Tess plans to strike out and create a new life for herself. So already this is right up my alley. It has the Titanic in it. It has the Titanic in it. Her single-minded focus shatters when she meets Alec, a handsome first-class passenger who captivates her instantly. But Alec has secrets of his own. He's in a hurry to leave Europe, and whispers aboard the ship say it's because of the tragic end of his last affair with the French actress who died so gruesomely and so mysteriously. Soon Tess will learn just how dark Alec's past truly is. The danger they face is no ordinary enemy. Werewolves exist and are stalking him and her now too. Her growing love for Alec will put Tess in mortal peril and fate will do the same before their journey on the Titanic is over. In Fateful, New York Times bestselling author Claudia Gray delivers paranormal adventure, dark suspense, and alluring romance set against the opulent backdrop of the Titanic's first and last voyage. This book, Krista, I think you... <laughs> yes, I recommended it she, to you. You recommended this to me like when I was still in high school and I flew through it. Werewolves on the Titanic is all I can say. Like, who... Why wouldn't you want that? It's the best. And I specifically recommended it for you because I learned that you like the Titanic. I love the Titanic. I love everything about it. So she just handed me this young adult book and was like, hey, werewolves on the ship. And I was like, say no more. I need to read this whole thing. So it's a little bit romancy, a little bit necromancy, kind of spooky. I would also like to point out that I really like the book Weathering Heights by Emily Bronte. So... That's also very romancy, necromancy as well. If you're looking for love, another Catherine. Oh my god. Another Catherine. <laughs> yeah, it's about Heathcliff and Catherine. And uh, yeah, it's pretty it's spooky. It's a classic. It's so. a classic, which I know you don't like. Yeah, I, I really do not enjoy Weathering Heights, but that's fine. I know s so many people who do like it. It's, it's you, romancy you and necromancy. Them, so. so, Emily, you're rounding out this, this segment of... Romancy slash necromancy. What was the book that you chose? So the book I chose is called From Here to Eternity by Caitlin Doughty. So basically the author, Caitlin Doughty, is a mortician and she also has a YouTube channel called Ask a Mortician, which is very fun to watch if you're into, you know, that sort of thing. And she's also written other books, but she has founded a kind of um, a club or group called The Order of the Good Death, which basically their whole goal is to kind of, like, get people to, like, not be as, like, scared of death and to be kind of more, like, okay with it because, obviously, it's a part of everybody's life. And she also runs a funeral home. But That's cool. this book is basically her traveling the world and just kind of seeing death in different cultures. So, like, she goes to Indonesia, she goes to Bolivia, in Tokyo, you know, just different places to see kind of how they treat death and what they do, what they do with someone when they pass away. Because, I mean, oh. America is kind of, like, our funeral industry is very different from, you know, a lot of other places. Yeah, basically it's just her 
traveling around learning about death and other cultures, and I thought it was really interesting to read. Cold. So the complete opposite of romance. Yeah. Complete no, opposite. This is dies. death. Yes. Well, you're the only one who, like, successfully did this segment <laughs> then, because, like, we... Yeah. We're werewolves and, and necromancers. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. <laughs> well, thank you. That was awesome. Okay, so to end this little portion, we have plenty of romancy or necromancy books to choose from if you do not enjoy any of our recommendations. So for some romance authors, we have Robin Carr, Cheryl Woods, Nora Roberts, Danielle Steele, Jojo Moyes, Fern Michaels, and Debbie McComber, and plenty of others too. And if you're more into necromancy or murder mysteries, we have authors like James Patterson, Mary Higgins Clark, Agatha Christie, Joanne Fluke, and plenty of others on our shelves. So, instead of Tech Talk, this segment, we are actually going to be discussing libraries in the digital age. So, over the past few years, patrons have asked us one important question that usually goes, aren't libraries going to die out soon? The answer to this is complex, and we thought we would take some time to explain our thoughts on this topic. Mm -hmm. So, according to The Guardian, Ever since the days of Alexandria, the library has been the palace of the mind, the university of all. The internet has removed its monopoly of knowledge, but cannot replicate its sense of place, its joy of human congregation. With the expansion of digital media, the rise of ebooks, and massive budget cuts, the end of libraries has been predicted many times over. We've heard this a lot. And while it's true that library budgets have been slashed, causing cuts in operating hours and branch closures, libraries are not exactly dying. In fact, libraries are evolving. Many people are struggling and feeling overwhelmed in their lives, right now especially with COVID and everything. While the digital age is empowering some, most people admit to feeling stressed and overwhelmed. It's critical for librarians to communicate their role as navigators, helping patrons find their way. We all need a safe space to orient ourselves. The library is that safe space. It's a sigh of relief for executives who need a break from the office, a place of comfort and connection for immigrants, and a guiding hand of bewildered job seekers. Libraries provide hope in times of transition. We have a librarian who has been working at Odell for many years, and she has witnessed the mass change of technology. Uh, it happened about 10 years ago. So she said once patrons started coming in with phones, tablets, and laptops, she knew that it was time for the library to change. And she told me that this death of the library concept was all anyone could talk about at meetings, libraries, had to like really reevaluate their relevance in the digital age. Many institutions are finding new tools and new strategies to help libraries stay relevant in the digital landscape. Classes and programs about technology are offered at many libraries. Seminars for everything from healthcare to tax assistance are available as well. Libraries are a place for public congregation and for assistance. Nearly everything is digital. We have public access computers for browsing the internet, searching for jobs, filling out governmental forms, and completing schoolwork. Libraries have to be diligent when monitoring their tech surfaces as new gadgets come out that can change the surfaces 
we offer. Luckily, Odell belongs to a large consortium, the Illinois State Library, so that we are up to date on what is happening library-wise in our state as well as the rest of the U.S. All libraries are connected in some way like a spider web of knowledge. I would also like to add that libraries are very social and serve as a vital part in every community. Children, travelers, parents, teachers, the elderly, students, nearly everyone has walked into a library at some point in their lives needing something. It is our job to give patrons what they want, and what we give is a lot. We are a place of knowledge and congregation. So I think something that when we interviewed Melissa, our board member, something that she said in the interview segment really, really like struck a nerve with me. It was very personal. She said that she was a military brat and she used to move around a lot as a kid. And I also used to move around a lot as a kid. Uh, I moved to many different states. I moved to Morrison as like a freshman in high school. And the one thing that my mom did, as well as Melissa's mom, it seemed, was the first thing we would do after being enrolled in school was to find a library. And that's exactly what we did when we moved to Morrison. Well, that seems to be a reoccurring thing for a lot of families when they move around. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's the hub of knowledge of the town. It's, it's sure sort of like the center of the community. People exactly. come here to get knowledge about right. the community. Right. There's itself. a section for every age group. You know, there's computers. There was computers for my mom to look at jobs in. There were librarians to to help me make friends or to help point out some books that I would like to read. You know, there were, there was a play section for my little brother. There was, and eventually there was a job for me here. So libraries to me have been a very, very personal part of my life and something that I have always really enjoyed. And I mean, we're not just like books on a shelf. You know what I mean? We're here, we're here for every member of the community, no matter, no matter who you are. Yeah. Come one, come all, come to the library, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree with that completely. So so basically, libraries still meet the needs of generations at all stages of life. Children, teens, college students, job seekers, parents, newly retired folks and seniors. It has something for everyone, including you. Can I include one more thing? Libraries, like, ever-evolving. Mm-hmm. It's changing how libraries work in your own community. Being in the library and information science, like, actual society Yeah, you're the school, one who's getting, like, a degree in this. What do you think of it? I have learned so much. Not any one particular library is going to be the same. Yes, we're all going to have, like, books, mm-hmm. but they're going to be meeting the needs of their community. We have a play kitchen in our library because that was a need for our community. So we're going to be all different. Mm-hmm which is how we're going to be sticking around for quite some time because we are meeting the needs of our community. And something that is also happening is we're also making libraries for just digital technology. There's a library in Texas that is a technology library. It has only computers, iPads, Kindles, and... Patrons to check out and use? Yeah. That's really cool. Even though when I was a kid, like, our thing was finding a library, and if you could meet sixth sixth grade Gillian, she was sitting in a beanbag in a young adult section reading. Like, that was who I was. I didn't have many friends in middle school. Like, that was, it was a really rough time. But uh, since I started working in a library, there's so much stuff that goes on. Like, there's... There's so many things that I feel like so many patrons who walk in just wouldn't assume that we do. Oh, yeah. And 
I mean, <laughs> with, without taking too much time and getting into too, too much detail about every single job that we have. Oh, yeah. It's, it really is, like, without repeating ourselves too many times, it is really, like, what does our community need? Yeah, it is. And how, and can, we, how can we best help patrons who walk in here needing help? And I, I always find it funny when I tell people that, like, I work at a library or I'm going to be majoring in library and information mm. science. They go, what are you doing? You're just going to be reading books all day? <gasps> oh, There's no goodness. time. There's no time to read books. I'm going to get loud about this. There's no time. There, there's, <sighs> there's absolutely no time to be reading books. We are doing so many jobs. Mm-hmm. And not, not, we're not going to get into it. Not to be bitter or anything. But, but if, you're, if your main impression of a librarian is that they just sit and read. I, I blame, like, movies for that, too. Like, anytime yeah. you see a librarian, it's always, like, a woman wearing cat-eye glasses in a pencil skirt reading a book behind a huge desk not paying attention to anybody or just shushing people. And I can tell you that, like, my glasses are honeycomb-shaped, and I like to wear pants, <laughs> and I don't have time to read. So... So none of us fit the the description or like the the physical descriptions or even the job description of like that librarian that stereotypical woman. Yeah, I actually had to read a book called What a Librarian Looks Like. Really? Yeah, and it's really interesting and it actually shows photographs of all these different types of librarians all over the U.S. That's really cool. And what they look like. Well, when was and it published? I oh two thousand sixteen seventeen. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. I'd like so, to read that. It was, it's great. I love it. That's I actually awesome. still have it checked out, so I'll, I'll, Thank you. I'll bring it to you. One last little thing that I want to talk about, about libraries, is what specifically, what libraries are doing in the pandemic. Like you just this. said that. Oh, right there. So according to an article by Wired Magazine, after the pandemic, it closed many libraries' physical branches in the spring. Checkouts of ebooks are up 52% from the same period last year, according to Overdrive, which partners with 50,000 libraries worldwide. Hoopla, another service that connects libraries to publishers, says that 439 library systems in the U.S. and Canada have joined since March, boosting its membership by 20%. So people are actually starting to use other library services more than before, which is great. That, that is quite amazing. I love mm-hmm. that. Librarians across the country foresee institutions that will blend the physical with the digital, increasing their emphasis on their critical community role by offering free Wi-Fi and social services, as well as a place where physical books and DVDs coexist with ebooks and online platforms. This is a quote by the New York Times. Welcome to Ask a Librarian, the segment of our show where we answer listener-submitted questions. So our question this week is, how long have you all been working at the library? <laughs> okay. Let's let Emily go first, because she's, she's the baby. I celebrated my two-year anniversary here in December of 2020, so I've been here for two years. And I was hired... I think right when I turned 16, I had my interview early February of 2016, and my birthday is on the 20th, so I think I turned 16 and then started in early March. So I've been here five years. And Krista, 
<laughs> Miss Old Lady. Oh my goodness, you guys. Okay, I've been here for seven years. Like, I started in August. Of? Uh, oh. 2014? It was 2013. It, it'll be almost eight years. Dang. And come this August, this coming August. So. That's crazy. I've been here a while. <laughs> <laughs> So, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Tune in on March 1st for the next episode, and until then, happy, happy reading. reading! Between the Stacks is hosted by Gillian Larson, Krista Mapes, and Emily Lenore. This episode was written by Gillian Larson and Emily Lenore, with editing and audio production by Emily Lenore. Special thanks to the entire Odell staff, library board, and friends of Odell. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons who support the library, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hey, it's Emily from Between the Stacks, and I'm here to tell you about a cool feature you might want to take advantage of. Our listeners can send us voice messages on our podcast website. If you have a question for Tech Talk or Ask a Librarian, have information about something we should cover on the show, or want to send us feedback, send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash Between the Stacks, and you may hear yourself on a future episode.